Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hello, everyone. I'm Sierra. And I'm Ashley. And this is your Weekly Weekly Dose of Wicked. Welcome to another episode of Weekly Dose of Wicked. That was too formal. I didn't like it. I know, I was trying to do something new. Oh, okay. I'm your host. I'm Sierra. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't like that. Okay. We'll start over. Okay. You can be formal, that's okay. No, you don't like it. You made it awkward. I didn't make it awkward. All I right. thought that was what we were going for was awkward. Because you were awkward. Hello. Welcome, all of you. No, that was weird as fuck. <laughs> that was weird as fuck. <laughs> all right, whatever. I'm just going with my normal what is up how's it going you're always so loud it's my normal <laughs> i tried a couple of different intros they weren't working so we had to go with my normal self that's true that's true that's who i am we're just awkward awkward girls oh my gosh i wonder if anyone enjoyed our singing last episode did you listen to it <laughs> no i left in the whole i said us singing 1985 in the whole episode i thought to myself i'm not listening to that because i don't want to hear myself sing i left it in there did you guys enjoy that probably not probably not no probably one not. probably did whatever but hey guess what guys something exciting happened what is it ashley we hit twenty five thousand. no yes twenty five thousand downloads <laughs> why did you say guess i yourself? don't know because that sounded weird no it was correct we hit twenty five thousand <laughs> downloads ever so patiently waiting so yeah Go that was us. cool Woo-hoo! so yeah what else we got going on in the world of weekly dose of weekend not much is going on. If you guys want to hear some uh, extra content, head on over to patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of Wicked, where you can join one of our tiers. Get yourself two extra episodes a month, starting at just $3 a month. Uh, last Patreon episode was pretty crazy. Yeah, it was. How many episodes we got now? Uh, that's a great question. Thanks for asking me on the spot. I have no idea. Oh, what is that noise? Did yours do that too or just me? Yeah, mine did it too. I wonder if they didn't pick it up up. on the podcast. Well, they do say aliens are real now, so maybe it's the aliens. Messing with our radio interference. I think we have like 13 total, if I counted those correctly. But we've released some of those to the regular people. I have no idea. Well, anyways, there's some cool episodes. Go check them out. Yeah. I don't know how many episodes we're up to, but I mean, just in the past two months, we've released four. So. Yeah, so we're doing good. We're doing good. I've got five episodes. You've got four, because I'm an overachiever. Just saying. We've got a blooper reel. We've got Cocktails of the Cave, which technically I did as well, so we have six. I have six, <laughs> and you have four. Okay, Sierra. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. You know what you can do? What? You can go eat a bag of dicks. Oh, thank you. I would love to do that. That would bring me so much joy. I'll get you some. Thank you. Would you? Okay, we're back. There we go. You good? I'm good. Okay. I think. Um, Ashley might sound a little weird because she laughed so hard at herself for saying <laughs> I, could eat, I could eat a bag of dicks that she choked. 
<laughs> and spit water everywhere. That's not what happened. <laughs> it is what happened. That's not what happened. No, what happened is we all of a sudden it stopped recording. And I was like, oh, no, it stopped recording. I wonder where it left off. And I was like, oh, it left off on eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> and she just freaking died laughing. It I didn't die laughing. I chuckled. Mm-hmm. But I had a mouthful of water when I chuckled. She so I had to spit out the water. She finds herself so hilarious. No, you were funny. I wasn't laughing at myself because of the way you said, oh, we left off on eat a bag of dicks. Yeah, well, that's where we left off. So anyway, we had to take a momentary <clears> break and now Ashley sounds like crap. So I chuckled and I aspirated all the water that was in my mouth. So it was either spit the water out or continue to fill my lungs with water and die. <laughs> like... <laughs> and then when she got done, she said, oh, I wish we would have got that recorded. <laughs> it was really funny, I'm sure. Anything for the podcast. All those noises I made, I was like gurgling. It was hilarious. <laughs> she spit water everywhere like a freak. And now my throat really hurts. And so do my lungs. <laughs> uh, that was a good time. So anyway. Okay. So anyway, where we left off. Um, eat a bag of dicks, Sarah. Eat a bag of dicks. I don't even remember why you told me that now because it's been so long ago. I don't know. Oh, it's because I was telling you how I am better at the Patreon than you. That's oh, why. Oh, yeah. And I so you. anyway, yeah. head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of Wicked. Signed up. That Other things cool. you can do. You already know what to do. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Apple Podcasts, rating and review. We're not going to beat that dead horse. It's not Twitter anymore. It's X. Oh, I forgot. So get it right, Sierra. Has it officially changed to that? Yeah. Okay. I think my phone still says Twitter. Well, mine says X. Does it? Yes. I lost my phone and you're choking. <laughs> well, mine's right here. I don't know. I don't even use Twitter, so let's just move on. Let's move into this case I've prepared for us. Doesn't matter. Twitter, X, same thing. Whatever. Head on over to X. <laughs> That's weird. I Give don't us like a that. follower like. Do all the things. Let's just jump into this case here that I've prepared for us. So yesterday, I'm just going to bring this up, Ashley. Bring up some old feelings for you. Okay. Yesterday, Ashley and I got into a big fight because I wasn't ready to record. That's not what happened. It's what happened. She flipped the fuck out of me. And um, I knew, because I'm a good sister, that she wasn't really mad at me. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't think that would make so much noise. It did. Um, anyway, so she got really mad at me because I wasn't ready. The reason why I wasn't ready is because the case I was trying to do, I was having a really hard time storytelling it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just having a really hard time trying to figure out what well, the best order to put it in. Because I didn't want to give anything away. And I just felt like no matter where I started, I just gave it away right away. Yeah. So, I scrapped the whole shit and I did a new case. Okay. <laughs> so, what I have prepared for you today. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to call it. So, I'm just going to start with what I've got here, okay? You didn't let them know that I apologized. She did apologize. And we made up. She, I mean, I didn't forgive you, but. Yes, <laughs> you did. <laughs> I wasn't, I mean, I was over it. Last night, I was mad at her. Last night, I was like, fucking little bitch. <laughs> Putting things on YouTube. She told me how I wasn't ready to record and we got into a whole big fight. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're slacker. You don't put things on YouTube. So then last night, I stayed up till 4 o'clock in the morning putting things on YouTube to show her that it could be done. I know it could be done. I was like. Okay. Well, I watched my show. It's not really. Um, I was mad, though. Well, I was also mad, but not at you. Oh, I was mad at you. You flipped out (laughs) on me for no. I was like, dude, I didn't fucking do anything. But I knew you weren't mad at me. I knew exactly what was wrong with you, but you just didn't tell me what was wrong with you. Instead, you just took it out on me. And then I knew you weren't mad at me because then you picked all the olives out of the pasta salad. Two minutes after yelling at me. Yes, you're like, I'm a nice sister. You're like, here's that pasta salad. And I was like, I don't want it. And she's like, I picked all of the black olives out of it for you so you wouldn't gag when you ate it. And I was like, yeah, I don't want the pasta salad. I'm good. Yeah, and I was like, take it home, bitch. She was like, I picked all of the black olives out. Take it home. And I was like, whatever. 
I'm leaving. Goodbye. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's in the past. We're going to move on from there. But essentially, though, what occurred is I scrapped that whole case. So I'll do it again later, but I'm having a really hard time figuring out where to start without giving it all away. I understand. Which I don't want to do. Yeah. So that's where I was at. Like, I spent, you know, I was like, I just need like an hour to put everything in order. But I just couldn't get it in a good order. Like, every time I'd start, I'd be like, nah, delete, delete, delete. So I just scrapped it. I did a new case. Sounds good. I'm ready. So what I've got for you prepared. Let's go. Ready? All right. Samantha Baczynski was born May 5th, 1986 in M. Lay City, Michigan, just 30 miles from Flint, Michigan. You know Flint with the bad water? Yes, I am well aware. Okay. So um, from a young age, Samantha was dealt a pretty bad hand of cards in life. She was raised by a single mother as her father who went to prison for sexual offenses. Okay. Her mother worked a lot to provide for Samantha and Samantha's younger brother. Because of Samantha's mother's long work days and overall stress, Samantha did not grow up in an overly loving home. And by her high school years, it was apparent that she lacked self-esteem and had a hard time fitting in. She was described as lonely and depressed. One benefit of Samantha's lack of a social life is that she was able to put all of her attention on her schoolwork, and she really excelled. So she was ready to graduate high school, go to college, and make something of herself. She graduated top of her class, and she aspired to join a nursing program. I kind of feel bad for Samantha when I was learning about her early years. Okay. I could relate to her. But then later you couldn't because she's a murderer. Possibly. Okay. But, um, you know, I don't have a problem admitting when I was a teenager, I was awkward as fuck. <laughs> I didn't have any friends. Uh, I just wanted to fly under the radar and, like, just have everyone ignore me. Um, but, you know, I mean, I had a hard time in high school. Yeah, me too. I ate lunch in the bathroom sometimes. I may have done that a time or two. You know, so I get that. I understand how hard it is. And I grew up in a loving home, so I can imagine... Growing up in, like, a home where she didn't feel loved and then going through those rough times. Because, like, you know, I had support. Yeah, I'd, that would be rough. I'd eat lunch in the bathroom and call mom. So, you know. <laughs> right. I should really be like, oh, just eating lunch in the bathroom alone. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you call it? <laughs> no, I just like, hey, mom, how's it going? She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, just had my lunch. I thought I could feel calm. She's like, oh, are you in the bathroom again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't have anyone to eat with. It was awkward. So anyway, I felt bad I for really her. I eat in the bathroom, but I did eat in the hallway by myself. I wasn't allowed to eat in the hallway. No, yeah. I wasn't allowed to do it anywhere. We had no rules. Well, you went to a different high school than I had. I know. I'm just saying. My high school did not allow. My high school had no rules, and it came to lunch. You could eat wherever you pleased. Oh, uh, yeah. So I used to eat in the hallway by my locker. When I went to the high school you went to, I stood at the tables, the stand-up tables. Yeah. But I had people to eat with there. Then when I transferred to my new high school, I didn't have any friends. Yeah. So I understand. I felt bad for her. Yeah. We'll see if I still feel bad for them. I'm going to guess no. All life aspirations aside, Samantha is lonely and she wants a boyfriend. Again, I can't blame her. She's 19 and she has not had a boyfriend ever. Okay. Which is totally okay. I'm not judging her for that. Boys are trouble. It's really better that she not have a boyfriend in my opinion. But I can see why at 19 she would want a boyfriend. Yeah, understandable. So at 19 in the fall of 2005, Samantha joins an online dating site where she meets a boy named Patrick Selipak. Patrick Selipak is actually a 27-year-old man. Okay. He's not a boy. I don't know why I said he was a boy. My Did notes? she think he was a boy no, at the time? she knew he was 27. Okay. I was just trying to give you some shock factor. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. But I knew he was a 27-year-old man. She knew he was a 27-year-old man. It wasn't illegal. It was fine. But you know how we feel about them eight-year age gaps from a teenager to an adult. Right. That's you want to do it big. at 35 to 43? Go for it. But 19 to 27? That's a big gap. Yeah, that's a big gap. So, Patrick Selipak was born October 17th, 1978, in Detroit, Michigan. He, too, came from a less-than-desirable home. Patrick's father left at a young age, and he was raised by his single mother. 
Patrick and his mother butted heads a lot. Uh, one source said that his mother had boyfriends coming and going in and out of their lives pretty consistently, and many of them physically abused Patrick over the years. So all of that comes to a breaking point when Patrick turns 17 and his mother ends up kicking him out. Oh, that's sad. So once again, I feel bad for Patrick because it's real shitty. Yeah. At no point should a parent pick somebody over their children. Especially not a boyfriend. Right. So, you know, I hate that for him. I did feel a bad for him, but not for long. Okay. <laughs> Patrick quickly began to rely on crime to survive. He would commit armed robberies to fund his lifestyle, which included drug use. And by 18, he was already facing eight years in prison for armed robbery. Oh, wow. So it escalated quite quickly. So I said, obviously, Patrick is a criminal. But I really hate that he didn't have parents to take care of him and love him. Right. And, like, give him a good home. Like, it's very obvious that um, his behavior is a direct impact of nurture. Right. Instead of nature. Yes. I mean... Had he grown up in a loving home, he probably maybe, I don't know, he might have still went down this route, but I don't think he would have. It seems like he went down Less this likely. route because he was kicked out at 17 and had no option. Right. So, um, Patrick serves his full eight years and he's released from prison in June of 2005. So, just to backtrack there, when Patrick went to prison, he was an 18-year-old kid. I don't care what anyone says, 18-year-old, I still think they're kids. Their frontal lobe isn't fully developed. Like, they're, they're little babies still. Um, but now he's a full grown-ass man. Right. And he is angry. He is full of anger. He's been locked up for eight years. His parents, I mean, essentially is abandoned by both parents. He feels like he's been failed by society. Like, he's a pretty angry dude. Understandable. It is. But he does, however, have a group that does support him. And they fuel his ego. And that group is women. Patrick is an attractive man. He's good looking. And women love him and his bad boy persona. I know what you're probably thinking. Was he actually good looking? Because, you know, a lot of times I'm like, they said he was so good looking. Then we look at pictures and we're like, (laughs) but I mean, he's a good looking guy. Yeah, I would say so. And Allison said that, too. She was like, was he actually good looking? Because sometimes you say they're good looking and they're not. And I sent her pictures and she was like, I mean, he's not bad looking. Okay, well, let me see. Okay. So I was hoping you would say. I mean, he definitely has that bad boy persona, but he's not a bad looking guy. I mean, I would say he's a good looking. I'm patiently waiting. All right. I've sent you the photos. Yeah. I mean, he's not bad. No, he's good. I mean, he's an attractive guy. And like, he definitely has that bad boy look to him. Yeah. Which, like especially that early 2000s bad boy look. Yes. Yep. And this was 2005. Like, he was very much what the women wanted. Yeah, or I mean. the younger girls. Not bad. Not a bad looking dude. Yeah, so, I mean, he's a good looking guy. Um, after a few failed flings, getting out of prison, Patrick meets Samantha online. And they quickly fall head over heels in love. Oh, do they? Yes. Um, Patrick is, I mean, obviously good looking. And he is charming. And... He likes that Samantha is this little quiet, inexperienced woman. I say woman loosely because she was 19. (laughs) But most people would have been put off by Patrick's criminal background. Samantha loves it. She thinks it is sexy. And she thinks Patrick's exciting. She's lived a boring life up until now. So she likes that he, you know, has a background in armed robbery. Oh, yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, she's never had a boyfriend before. So she, like, really likes that he's giving her all this attention. Right. You know? I think it's a pretty normal thing for your first boyfriend. I wish her first boyfriend wouldn't have been a 27-year-old man, but... A 27-year-old criminal man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, the two were hot and heavy, and just five months after meeting, Patrick proposes to Samantha. Oh, that's fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samantha's family is obviously a little concerned, but Samantha is just so happy, and that's really all any of them want. They just want her to be happy. Oh, okay. So... 
Uh, it wasn't long, though, until Patrick told Samantha that he had to find a way to make money. And he only knew one way to do that. Armed robbery. <laughs> okay. So. We'll find a new skill. Uh, and Samantha was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. Oh, she's on board now. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, nope. She has no problem with it. So that she brings us. She does like the criminal. She does. So that brings us to February 16th of 2006. This has nothing to do with Samantha and Patrick. We're done with them now. Okay. So, uh, February 16, 2006, police are dispatched to do a welfare check for a young couple, Scott and Melissa Barrels. Uh, they live in New Baltimore, Maryland. Melissa's father has called for a welfare check for his 27-year-old daughter and her husband, as he hasn't been able to get a hold of them. And their voice machine, like their voice, I don't know what to call it a voice machine, their voicemail has like this really weird message about how they're going to go to the hospital, but then like he can't get in touch with any of them. And also, he's called all of the hospitals in the area, and none of them have any record of the couple coming in. So, like, they leave him a voicemail that says that? No, or, like, he like calls on their them, phone. And that's like, the... their incoming message, like, hi, you've reached Sierra. Leave a message. It's like, hey, you've reached the barrels. Uh, Melissa and I are heading to the hospital. We'll be out of touch for a few days. That's weird. Okay. Super weird. Especially considering none of the local hospitals have any record of them ever being there. Right. So, obviously, he calls the police. The police go. Um, and when police arrive, they immediately see that the lock on the front door has been broken. And it's looking like there's been some sort of a home invasion. Uh, there is no sign of anyone being home, though. So, just when police think maybe everything's okay, they discover that there is a bedroom that is under renovation. And on the floor, there are two large rolls of material. And one of the officers kind of actually kicks one and a foot comes out. Ooh. So, these are like plastic and duct tape. And when they cut them open, they discover it is the bodies of Melissa and Scott Barrels. They've been kind of like mummified in the home. I don't like that. Uh, yeah. So both victims have been beaten severely. And an autopsy determines that Scott's cause of death is blunt force trauma to the head, as well as signs of manual strangulation. And then just to be sure that he was dead, the murderer um, injected bleach into his veins. Ugh. Why? Yeah. Just to be sure he was dead. Just to be sure he was dead. People are gross. Uh, Melissa died from a combination of strangulation and suffocation. Asphyxiation, suffocation, oxygen deprivation on my mind. Actually, it's not appropriate to sing that song right now, even if we did write a catchy little jingle. <laughs> it's a little ditty, first of all. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was inappropriate. I do apologize. It was. Back um, to the suffocation. Yes. So strangulation, suffocation. Um, she did not have any bleach in her system, but the blood test did reveal something a little shocking. Melissa was 10 weeks pregnant. Oh. So, this That's makes sad. police wonder if maybe the pregnancy had something to do with the reason for the murders. Okay. So, police get to work processing the crime scene, but unfortunately, the perpetrator used bleach to clean up, and there really isn't much evidence to be found. However, detectives do find a little receipt on the ground for a local drugstore for around 3 a.m., and the only thing on it is a roll of duct tape. Okay. So they're like, hmm, could they really be that stupid? The answer is yes. Let's go look. So this is literally their only lead. They head to the drugstore. And luckily for them, this store is fully equipped with surveillance cameras everywhere. Pretty quickly, they see a woman come into the drugstore around the time of the receipt timestamp, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it's definitely who they're looking for. But for some reason, at 3 a.m., the woman's wearing sunglasses like a heavy jacket like they can't really tell who the heck this woman is so they release the footage to the public in hopes that they can help them identify this woman okay and pretty quickly they receive tips that this woman is 19 year old samantha Pachinski. i thought we were done with her no we're back to her i just want oh, to throw okay. you off the trail a little bit i was so 
<laughs> shocked. <laughs> Thought maybe you would be. You you got me. I did. So anyway, it's nineteen year old Samantha Bachinski. Um, obviously detectives look into this immediately, but they are stumped. This is a nineteen year old honor roll student with no criminal record. Like, how could she have even gotten herself wrapped up in this? How would she even know these twenty seven year olds? Her boyfriend. Okay, but they don't know that she's got him. Oh, okay. So they have no idea what her motive could possibly be. Uh, they go speak with Samantha's mother, and she says she doesn't have any idea where her daughter is, but wherever she is, she's definitely with her fiancé, Patrick Selipak. Oh, right. I forgot they were engaged. Yeah, they're engaged at this point. Not her boyfriend. It doesn't matter. Her fiancé. Yeah. So they look into her fiancé, Patrick, and he obviously has a whole different story. Like, he's got a rap sheet. We already know that. He's a hardened criminal. And he's 27. Right. And something that we don't know at this point. Um, and I don't know. I'm not quite sure if Samantha knew either. Something said she did. I don't know. She's kind of a little cuckoo banana. So maybe she didn't know this. But Patrick had actually just went back to prison just weeks before this. Oh. For what? Um, in November 2005, Patrick attacked an ex-girlfriend. He choked her and poured sand down her throat. Ooh. Yeah, like violently beat this woman. And he spent 64 days in county jail for it. That's not very long for no. pouring sand on somebody's throat and no. beating them. So just to clarify this timeline, though, when this attack took place, he was with Samantha. Right. So, like, why was he even attacking an ex-girlfriend? Right. I mean, this was November. These murders happened in February. Him and Samantha got engaged after five months. Right. So, like... They were definitely together when he was attacking this ex-girlfriend. So I don't know if Samantha knew. I mean, I feel like she kind of had to have known right. if he was like in county jail for 64 days. Right. I mean, what else would the reason be that he's not talking to her for two months? So apparently he proposed to her after he got out of jail. So if he had went into jail in November, if it was early November, I mean, he would have literally gotten out literally weeks before this occurred. Right. Because 64 days is two months. I mean, that would have been all of November, all of December part of january you know what i mean like kind of crazy and then this happened in february so she more than likely did know but i found contradictory information if she could or not so essentially he gets out of county jail after 64 days and proposes to samantha and you know that's where this brings us to um as i was doing this i just put this little note in here red flag red flag red flag red flag yeah lots of red flags samantha what are you doing girl so now the, infuri- the infuriating part of this is that Patrick should have done time for this attack. He should have been in for longer than 64 days. Oh, definitely. Um, obviously, like, that's our opinion, but also it's fact. He should have been in longer. Uh, the reason why he was released after just 64 days is because somebody uh, had an error on his intake paperwork. And therefore, the state did not give him a parole hearing after 45 days, which is Michigan state law. So for this reason, the corrections officers at the prison released Patrick because he was denied a parole. Like, he wasn't given it, so under law, they could not hold him. Oh. Hmm. But, like, what actually happened is they messed up the paperwork. Right. And that's why he didn't get a parole hearing. Right. So, like, after this, obviously, after all this stuff goes down, whatever, uh, there was some, like, leave at this prison and some policy changes because, like, he never should have been left out. Right. I didn't mean left out. I mean let out. But you know what I mean. We knew what you meant um yeah so anyway now we know that samantha and patrick are responsible for the violent murders i know that's shocking to you that was shocking uh, a manhunt begins but samantha and patrick are gone they can't be found anywhere okay so they don't have any leads on where they could be until february 21st so it's like five six days later right it was the 16th so five days later 
uh, they receive a call from Tara Beecham. She's about 100 miles away in Ossawa, Michigan. That's not right. Owasso? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, I don't know the pronunciation. It's O-W-O-S-S-O. Owasso? Sure. Owasso. We're going to go with Owasso, Michigan. If that's wrong, I'm sorry. We apologize. So she had met Samantha through mutual friends, and Samantha has just shown up at Tara's with her fiancé, Patrick, and they're having a nice visit. It's going fine. Uh, but then Tara gets a phone call from another friend, and she's like, girl, let me just spill the tea to you. Did you see that our mutual friend, Samantha's wanted for murder? And this just so happens to happen while Samantha's at her house with her fiancé. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. So obviously Tara's like, oh shit, this is terrifying. But thinking on her feet, she told Samantha and Patrick that she was so sorry. She actually had a job interview she had to get to. Um, and she was actually wondering if they could drive her there because she saw that they pulled up in a truck and she doesn't have any way to get there. So they're like, of course, hop on in. We'll take you to this job interview. So the couple drives Tara to a local hotel where she goes in for the interview. But she actually was just going there to get the hell away from him. She called 911. Understandably so. Yeah. And within minutes, the hotel parking lot is swarming with police. What dummies that they didn't see that coming? Um, they're such dummies that luckily for the police, Samantha and Patrick were taking a nap in the truck when they arrived. <laughs> so they were they were able to surprise them and there was no fight whatsoever. Good. Which was great. Now, in a perfect world, we would arrest Samantha and Patrick and this would just be over, you know, cut and dry. Easy, right? Was there more mistakes? No. Okay. No, there were no more mistakes. But upon apprehending the couple, the police are obviously going to search the truck. And while doing so, they find a dead body wrapped up in the tarp in the back what? of the truck. <laughs> Who? So these lunatics are just driving around Michigan with a dead body wrapped up in plastic in the bed of the truck. Who does that? I wish you guys could see my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> who does that? Like, who kills someone, wraps them up in a tarp, and then drives around Michigan with them? I mean, these two morons. So police are able to identify this man as 52-year-old Fred Johnson. He'd been reported missing a few days ago, and the truck that they were driving was actually his truck. Oh. So they killed him and stole his truck. That's really sweet of them. Yeah. So obviously we know at this point that Samantha and Patrick are responsible for these three murders, but why? I don't know why I said why like that. I didn't even mean <laughs> to say why. What I meant to say is how did this even go down? <laughs> In my notes I wrote, but why how did this even go down? <laughs> well, I mean, both. Why and how? Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of crazy because like, who the fuck are Melissa and Scott Barrel to them? And like, how do they even know Fred Johnson? Like, Can where did I these people come from? Guess on yes. this couple. It's his ex-girlfriend and her new boyfriend. Okay. That's a good guess. The dude? I don't know. I actually thought that that could be a possibility as well. But it's not. <laughs> I'm unsure if I can answer that at the moment. Okay. We'll let you know what you think. Okay. So, Samantha. No. Oh, I have a guess about Fred, too. Maybe that's one of his... uh mom's ex-boyfriends that would be good but no okay okay so please out today you are please focus on samantha first because they're thinking you know she's young and she's gonna crack under the pressure she's 19 like we're gonna be able to crush her real quick okay surprisingly though samantha's like nope i want an attorney and she refuses to talk to the police like right away right off the bat well that's smart patrick on the other hand sings like a freaking canary he's like let me tell you guys what went down so he tells them um first of all he wants to make it clear to police that samantha had nothing to do with this this was not her fault she did not help him commit the murders he committed the murders all by himself it was all him okay well that was nice of him i suppose so remember this okay so the way that his story goes is that when he was released from prison 
He wanted to start his life with Samantha. So he proposed to her. But in order for him to do that, he had to make money. And okay. he didn't know any other way to make money but armed robbery. Right. He couldn't get a job at Burger King. No Mickey D's. None of that. He had to rob people. That's all he knows how to do. I mean, I'm just saying. Most restaurants will hire felons, no questions asked, as long as you're honest about it. Right. So if you're a felon and you're listening to this, go just go apply to be a dishwasher at pretty much any sit-down restaurant. They don't give a shit. No. Most of the kitchen at restaurants are felons. Yes. Because then when your idiot managers lock themselves out of the office, they can just talk to the felons. (laughs) It's not true because that doesn't actually happen. It does if your name is Sierra. (laughs) Okay, but no, none of them could get me in. I did lock my keys in the office all the time and our district manager said, man, all the felons that we have working here, not a single one of them could break into that office. No. I'm just saying, restaurants, though, they're pretty open to felons. Yeah, they are. He definitely could have gotten a suitable job. Yeah. As long as you're honest about it on your resume. Or, I mean, on your application. Right, and, like, restaurant workers make pretty good money. I mean, they even some of the servers were felons. I Mm -hmm. mean, they make good money. Some of the servers were felons. I'm just saying, he definitely had options. But he didn't think so. So, whatever. That's his story. He had to make money. In order to do that, he had to become an an armed robber again. He's a criminal. He devises a plan. He's going to rob local grocery stores and he's going to sell the product for money. Okay. Great plan. What kind of products do you think he would steal? Probably something stupid like lettuce. <laughs> Is that what he stole? <laughs> so close. I mean, probably some lettuce. Yeah. But okay. So he meets someone online who can help him do this. Um, and this person is Melissa Barrels. Okay. She works at a local grocery store and she agrees to help Patrick. So what she does is she lets him know when the trucks arrive and he can just come directly to the truck and take it from there. So he doesn't actually have to go in the store and take it. Okay. Um, so apparently he was stealing produce, <laughs> just to be clear. That was the stupidest plan I ever heard. Yeah. Like, you, you got to unload that fast. Right? But like, also, what a low ticket item to sell. Like, yeah. how I mean, much? But he could like lie and say like, oh, it's farm fresh and organic. People eat that shit up. I mean, I guess, but like. I don't know. I just feel like personally, if I'm going to do jail time, I'm going to need to steal something more costly than produce. I mean, I agree. TVs. I'm just thinking that like, even though that it's a low ticket item, but you got to get rid of it fast because it's going to rot. Right. So if you set, if you steal 50 heads of cabbage, you've got to get rid of them. Yeah. Within a couple days. Very quickly. And I didn't find any way of like figuring out how he was even selling this produce. Like, I don't know if he opened a produce stand, like, but that's what he's stealing. Produce. That, that i struck in <laughs> you got on that, that one, one right <laughs> so i mean whatever floats your boat man you do you but um whatever so through this arrangement melissa and, per- and patrick through this arrangement melissa and patrick get close obviously uh and they begin a very close friendship and he's even friends with melissa's husband scott so he says that on february 15th he was hanging out with the couple and that melissa announces that she's pregnant mm. now scott gets pissed about this announcement because he thinks that Melissa and Patrick are having an affair and that the baby is Patrick's. Now remember, this is Patrick's story. Okay. But you just said that Patrick is pissed because he thinks the baby is Patrick's. No, Scott is pissed. Okay. That's I'm not so what sorry you said. if I said that. I apologize. No, Scott is pissed because okay. he thinks that his wife is having an affair with Patrick. Okay. So Scott like flies into a fitter age. Patrick told police that he had slept with Melissa. They were sleeping together. <laughs> but he didn't know if Scott knew. All he knew was that Scott was livid and Scott went and got a knife. And so Patrick had to protect himself. It was self-defense. Okay. He go, you know, Patrick goes off and he just beats the shit out of Scott until he stops moving. And then he realizes what he just did. And he's like, oh shit, I don't have any choice. Now I got to kill Melissa. So he strangles her. 
He didn't have a choice. I, I mean, she just witnessed him killing her husband. Okay, well, if she's really having a love affair with him, maybe well, she'd clearly, be okay with that. Clearly she wasn't, oh. or he wouldn't have felt the need to kill her. Yeah, I suppose that's true. So another twist, though, is that um, now that Melissa's dead, Scott starts moving again. <laughs> so now he's like, oh, shit, you know, now Scott's not, not dead. Um, so then he starts to strangle him, and then just to be sure he's dead, he injects him with bleach. Right, because he wants to make sure he already thought he killed him once and he right. wasn't dead. Uh, but now he needs help cleaning up this mess. So he calls Samantha. And, you know. Who had nothing to do with anything. No. Nope. Um, but, you know, she's like, okay, of course, honey, of course I'll come help you because I'm a good little fiancé. Any good fiancé would help their, you know, man clean up murders. So she stops and gets the duct tape, and the two wrap the bodies in plastic, and duct tape them up, and then they go about their business. Okay, so where did the whole going to the hospital come in? Uh, that's not in his story. Oh, okay. He doesn't touch on that at all. Okay. He he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't bring that up at all. Okay. So obviously now they have to hide out. So they head to Flint, where they stay in a hotel for a few days, and it's there that they meet Fred Johnson. Okay. So while they're staying at the hotel, they start to frequent this local bar, and Fred takes a liking to the couple pretty quickly, and he allows the couple to come move in with him. Oh. To stay with him. So this is all over the course of five days, remember. Yeah, that's insane. So, but of course, it's pretty quick that uh, it becomes on the news that, you know, Samantha and Patrick are wanted for murder. So they got to kill him. Right. So Fred realizes that. Um, he's like, you know, you two are wanted for murder. He confronts them and he's like, yeah, I'm turning your asses in. So at this point, Patrick shoots Fred twice and then strangles him to death. Now they have his confession from Patrick. Uh, they go back to Samantha, and she's like, well, shit, he confessed, so I guess I'll tell you what happens. So then she goes ahead and she tells them what happened, uh, but the problem is, is that Samantha doesn't know that Patrick went out of his way to leave her involvement out of his confession. Um. So her version of events is not the same. Hmm. For starters, she said that she was there when Melissa and Scott were murdered, even though Patrick said she wasn't. Okay. Um, and she said that it wasn't self-defense. She says that Patrick had devised a plan days before, and what was actually going to happen is they were going to kill the couple, and they were going to take over their identities. They were going to sell their house, and they were going to take the money and start a new life. Okay. So that's what their actual plan was. Uh, she says that Patrick made Scott record that voicemail message about going to the hospital so that no one would suspect anything for a few days. And he then violently killed the couple. She also admitted to helping Patrick strangle the couple. She said it was her idea to inject Scott with bleach. Um, at one point, she said that Patrick made her, like, step on Melissa's head while he strangled her with a belt. So, like, she was very much involved. But she also says that Patrick actually forced her to help him. Because if she didn't, he was going to kill her too. Okay. So regardless, they're both going to be charged with murder. With the murders of Melissa and Scott Barrels, for sure. And then they'll handle Fred later. But it seems like they kind of just focus on those first two murders. You know, they do that a lot in case right. they lose a trial. Or so they, they, so they tried them separately. So they charge her with Melissa and Scott Barrels murders. As well as the murdering of their fetus. Right. So... So, surprisingly, though, Patrick pleads guilty to all counts, and he just avoids a trial altogether. He's like, yep, I did it. Everything. Uh, in Michigan, that's a mandatory sentence of life without the possibility of parole. Hmm. And prosecutors say that they believe that he did this because he knew that regardless, he was going back to prison for a long time, uh, more than likely the rest of his life. And by pleading guilty, he kind of elevated himself in the prison. You know, how prisons work. Like, people are going to be afraid of him. Right. Obviously, like, the more violent a criminal, the less likely it is that people are going to mess with you. Right. So they think that that was kind of his way of, like, making sure he was, making okay. Sure he was okay once he was in prison. Because, um, like, the first time he was in prison, he was young, and it seemed like he did have quite a few, like, encounters with people. So they think that that's why he did that. So now that Patrick's been taken care of, prosecutors are able to focus solely on Samantha. 
Um, they don't see her as an innocent victim that she claims to be and are determined to convict her. Uh, but Samantha remains to claim her innocence. And when she finally goes to trial in October of 2006, she retracts her confession. And her defense rides solely on her claim that she was afraid for her life. The prosecution fights that she could have run and left many times, but that she was too infatuated with Patrick and that she helped him murder those innocent people to please him, but not because she was afraid. Right. Samantha says, no, Patrick threatened her. And at one point, he even held a gun to her head and made her help him. So really, I felt like at this point, the trial could go either way. Right. I mean, essentially, it's really just he said, she said. They don't have any solid proof that she did this. And she's like, you know, I did do it, but like I was afraid for my life. I feel like a jury very easily could have... Sided with that, yeah. Sided with her. So... Um, her defense on October 19th, 2006, her defense calls a surprise witness to take the stand. Patrick is brought in because remember, he said Samantha had nothing to do with any of this. Right. He wanted to protect her. And so, of course, Samantha's like, oh, yes, my knight in shining armor. Like, he's going to tell these people I had nothing to do with it. He already tried to, you know, save me before. And he loves me. Well, Patrick takes the stand and he's like, yeah, I'm not talking. He refuses to swear in and just refuses to talk at all. And he actually is, like, laughing on the stand and smiling. And, yeah, has nothing to say. Yeah. So, obviously, this is shocking to Samantha because she thought for sure he was going to save her. Love of her life there. Right. Um, So, at this point, she just pleads for leniency with the judge. She's like, please, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm 19 years old. And the judge is like, I understand. And I'm going to sentence you to life in prison without the possibility of parole. I understand. Okay. So, that was the best option. Now, as I said, her original trial was for the murders of Melissa and Scott Barrels. So in 2007, Samantha ended up pleading no contest to the murder of Fred Johnson, and she received an additional 23 years. But I mean, it didn't really matter. She was already doing life with no possibility of parole. Right. Um, so if you pull up Samantha Butchinski's record on the Michigan State Inmate Database, she has 12 charges, two counts of felony firearms, kidnapping, First-degree home invasion, two counts of first-degree murder, assault on a pregnant individual with the intent of causing a miscarriage, second-degree murder, two counts of armed robbery, and carjacking. So she's currently being held at the Huron Valley Women's Complex. Uh, Patrick Selipak has 19 charges, most of which are the same as Samantha, but he does have additional charges for the weapons uh, since he was already a felon. So he got, like, multiple possession of a firearm by a felon. Yeah, can't do that. He also has a recent charge in 2023 where he um, had a weapon in prison, and he was charged with prisoner possessing a weapon. Apparently, he tried to kill a fellow inmate. Oh, why? Very recently. I couldn't really find a reason, but... You couldn't find, like, what happened? I found an article about it, but didn't, like, say what the reasoning was. Oh. I put it to my notes, like, in my uh, sources, but it didn't really say, like, what the reasoning was. What happened? Would you like me to read you the article? I mean, you just summarize. Or just send me the link. I'll read it myself later. I mean, he got moved to a different facility because of it, so, I mean, that's pretty serious. Right. Yeah, I mean, it didn't really say. So, Patrick Salipak, 45, last week was ordered to trial at Oklahoma County Circuit Court on charges of assault with intent to murder and prisoner possessing a weapon. He had a probable cause conference Thursday and waived his right to a preliminary exam in New Baltimore District Court. So, it doesn't says, actually say what I mean, happened. it just says that he, like, already is serving multiple life sentences where he pled guilty to multiple first-degree premeditated homicides. Um, luckily, this man is already behind bars for the rest of his life. It is inconceivable that this individual would continue to, to engage in alleged criminal activity behind bars. So pretty much just saying, like, he's fucking crazy. Like, he's still trying to kill people. And he's, like, in prison for life. Right. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really say what happened. It just said that it stemmed from an incident on July 1st when he just attacked a fellow inmate. Okay, then. No further information on the assault was released. 
And he faces up to life on the assault charges and five years on the weapon offense. But, like, he's already doing life. Right. So So it doesn't really matter. They can give him a fourth life sentence, but, I mean, he's there. Right. He's got three of them. Well, right. right. But I'm saying they'll give him a fourth. Yeah, he's not getting out. No, he's not going anywhere. So, yeah, kind of crazy. Um, And Patrick's being held at the Barasha Maximum Security Facility, I think is how you probably say that. Uh, I did find court records that Samantha applied for an appeal in 2015, but I couldn't find anything that came from that. Probably got denied. I didn't find, like, where it was even heard. Oh, what? So, I don't know. But, um, essentially, how? Like, why would she throw her life away like that? Honestly. I don't know. Like, how do you go from an honorable student going to nursing school to meeting a criminal and, like, throwing your entire life away? I don't know. I wish I knew. And, like, also, why did he flip the switch on her so quick? That's weird, right? I mean... That he was like, she had nothing to do with it. And he was like, nah, bitch, fry. Like, maybe because she didn't have his back? Maybe because she was like, no, he tried to kill me. Like, maybe he heard all the shit she was talking about. Right. Right, like, he was trying to keep her out of it. And she was like, this is what he did. Right. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, there's, like, footage of him, though. Like, laughing on the stand. Hmm. And, like, smiling. Like, <laughs> I ain't saying nothing. And it's just very... Disgusting? Yeah. Hmm. Crazy clearly not the love of each other lives each other's lives no clearly not how freaking nuts though like why would you throw your life away at 19 years old i mean people do stupid stuff like that like where are the parents in this i understand that at 19 they're an adult but like why would they not put a stop to her i don't know or like try to stop it like there wasn't even any any they were like no she was happy so we just let it go well her home life wasn't very good anyways i don't know i just think it's awful yeah it is and again, it it's sucks. just another nature versus nurture where I feel like had he been given a better home life, he probably wouldn't have become this crazy violent criminal. Maybe, but he kind of I mean, the majority crazy. of the time, though, it seems like violent criminals have shitty home lives. I mean, yeah, they do. So anyway, that's what I got for you this week. Well, thank you. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I did. I hope you really enjoyed the shock factor of that body in the back of the truck. That really, <laughs> I was like, What? I just can't believe they would be that stupid. Right. Like, why would you not get rid of that body? Why would you be driving They were really stupid. They were stupid. Hmm. Well, thank you for that. By me saying I enjoyed it, I did not enjoy it. I didn't think I didn't think her. I didn't figure you did, is what I was trying to say. I was saying think and figure, but they didn't go together. Thinker. <laughs> All right. Well, catch you next week. Well, before next week's episode, there will be a Patreon. If episode. you want to hear more of us. If you can't get enough of your favorite girls, head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked. And check us out. For sure. All right. Well, we'll see you next week then. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. If you like what you heard and you want to support a small podcast, please give us money at www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked where you can join one of our four amazing tiers starting at just a measly three dollars a month that's literally 10 cents a day you can join the slightly wicked after that we've got the moderately wicked for just five dollars a month followed by the awesomely wicked for seven dollars a month and for those high rollers big ballers we have the extraordinarily good so head on over check it out if you like what you see join it up if subscriptions aren't your jam head on over to 
www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash W-D-O-W, where you can give us a one-time donation to buy us a coffee or, you know, like podcasting equipment, which would probably be a better use of our money. Feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked, or you can just search weekly dose of wicked and we'll pop up because we're the only ones. Or you can give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash weekly dose of wicked. Or you know what? You could just do both because that would be better for us. For a direct feed of our podcast, please go to www.weeklydoseofwicked.buzzsprout.com. Great news, guys. We've made it big time. And you can now listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yep, yep. Even Pandora. They finally let us in. Make sure to come back next Wednesday for your Weekly, weekly Dose of Wicked. Wicked. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.